Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour three of the show, LSU basketball. Front and center tonight is they defeated Florida 79-78. to LSU baseball wins 9-2. to Pelicans lose tonight. A little NFL free agency talk. We'll also talk a little Alvin Gentry becoming a local folk hero here, which is very interesting, considering that most of the Pelicans fan base just a couple of months ago wanted the dude fired. Now there's talk of him getting another year, and frankly, I think that might be the right decision, even as you go through a rebuild here, although I think that should be left up to the GM. We'll talk a little Alvin Gentry later. Sports Libs and our moment is in, courtesy of Tremont Waters later in the show. But first, Chris Daubertine of blogandthebracket.com at SB Nation joins the show for a little bracketology. Chris, welcome back to the program. How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, look, we're we're good down here after tonight. So, how does this change your projection, and does it for LSU a quad one uh, road victory? Quad, they're up right now. They're nine and two in quad one games, which is you know pretty darn good. Tennessee's only seven and three. You know, Kentucky's ten and four, a little bit better. The one thing that's kind of hurting LSU is those three quad one loss or quad two losses: Florida, Arkansas, and, and Oklahoma State at the. Uh, event down in Orlando back over Thanksgiving weekend. Those are three losses that are going to hurt a little bit, but you kind of look at the picture and kind of how things are laid out right now. You have two Big Ten teams right ahead of them on the two line in Michigan State and Michigan. Obviously, both those teams aren't going to be there long term, especially with them playing on Saturday night. So LSU, you know, by the time Monday rolls around, could end up probably being a, could end up being a two seed. I am curious with this, uh, the new system, and, and I don't know how the selection committee is going to evaluate this with the new net and replacing the RPI and how they're going to look at things, but you just kind of touched on something I've, I've been curious about is the are the quad two losses more important than quad one wins? The committee really, really likes quad one wins, and I think that that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. But when you're looking at teams kind of on that one, two, three – that front edge of the three line, those top 10 teams, that's where things, the differences get to be really, really close. And that's when those quad two losses might end up costing a team like LSU, you know, especially when you com- when you compare them to what Tennessee and Kentucky have kind of on the top. I mean, Tennessee nationally having beaten Gonzaga, the number one ranked team, you know, in the net, Kentucky, they have two top five wins. LSU now has two top five wins having beaten Tennessee and Kentucky but Tennessee has a slightly better one having number one and number five as opposed to number four and number five. And you kind of look at Kentucky and it's like, well, their best one is number four and number seven. But then you look and they don't have those, those losses that, you know, that LSU kind of has right now. So that's, that's one thing that's going to be a little bit close. But as I said, it's one of those things that feels like it's going to take care of itself. You know, LSU is going to be in position here to potentially win the SEC outright this weekend, you know, have a shot at winning the SEC tournament, which is going to be a nice little boost. But, and especially having those teams just ahead of you in Michigan and Michigan State potentially knocking each other off, 
I think LSU is going to end up okay, you know, kind of in the end. Yeah, this all goes back to the humans really like LSU uh, for the most part. The polls like them. Uh, most of the bracketologists yeah. like them. Uh, you had them as a three seed. I think Jerry Palm even had them as a two seed. It's kind of like the old football debate we used to have, I guess, before the current playoff system. Although, uh, well, I guess when we used to have the computer system in the BCS, the computers, uh, the, the formulas don't really like LSU. They're in the either the low teens or high 20s in Sagarin, in Ken Palm, and in Net. Could you help explain to the audience why that is and why the disparity there between, again, the, the humans and the machines? Well, I think that one of the issues, again, is, is those three losses that are a little bit kind of out of character are kind of driving things down a little bit for LSU. Because you look at the schedule, the strength of schedule is great. You know, they have 11th, 11th rank strength of schedule in net overall, you know, or in non-conference and then 15th overall. That's really, really good. But those, three lo- but those three bad losses, you kind of look at the average net win and loss. You compare LSU, 93 net win, 44 net loss. Tennessee, you flip over, 107 net win, a little bit less. You know, but a 12 net loss, which is really just, you know, you know Kentucky, LSU, Kansas, you know, that's a little bit different than, you know, losing to Florida, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State. And Kentucky, it's the same thing. 103 net win, the wins aren't quite as good but they don't have quite as many bad losses, and that, I think, really is what ends up knocking down LSU's net a little bit. It's Chris Daubertine of SB Nation, blogingthebracket.com, bracketologist there, at Chris Daubertine on uh, Twitter. Where do the other teams here in the SEC fall in your latest projection? And mainly we're talking about the teams at the top, Kentucky and Tennessee. Well, I actually have Kentucky ahead of Tennessee, and that's because, again, they have a few more quality wins than the Volunteers do even though they split, you know, you know, a, a series with two home blowouts and people are saying, well, Tennessee should be ahead of them. Well, you know, you can't look at just the head-to-head. You have to look at the entire body of work. And, and Kentucky had a little bit more on their schedule, especially early in the season. So, so that's kind of where it is. But not all three of those teams are going to be able to be that high at the end because, like I said, there's going to be other competition coming along and somebody's going to have to end up winning the regular season and the SEC tournament. So LSU still has it all to play for. That's interesting. So Kentucky, a one seed uh, here, it brings me to any any locks here for the one seeds. Uh, Virginia, Gonzaga, uh, Duke, I think uh, most people have as one seeds. Most people now also with Kentucky. Are any of those teams locks right now, regardless of what happens in conference tournament play? I think Virginia is absolutely a lock at this point just because there, there's not enough games for them to pick up a bad loss and to fall out of that group, especially at the number one spot where they are right now. Gonzaga, it's a similar thing. I think they could be in trouble if they end up losing the WCC tournament final. They could slip down to a two at that point, but I think they're still pretty solid. But, yeah, Duke, North Carolina is going to be very interesting because Duke right now is not playing all that well. You think about you know how they played against Wake Forest last night, barely escaping you know, without Zion Williamson. You know, Mike Krzyzewski said after the game that he's not going to be back against North Carolina on Saturday, but he might be back for the ACC tournament. And you think about how the ACC tournament might set up, you might have a third North Carolina Duke game in the semifinal next Friday. So, you know, you're thinking about this Saturday and next Friday potentially, and I think that only one of those two teams is going to end up getting there because of that. I think, honestly, if North Carolina beats Duke again, but that's without Zion, and Zion comes back and Duke wins, I think there is the open possibility that you could have three ACC teams on that top line, but that's only if Gonzaga loses the WCC and 
something crazy happens in the SEC and all, and all of Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU kind of fall out. Well, it's interesting you bring up North Carolina here. Uh, I've been looking at them the last couple of weeks thinking that they might be the scariest team for me in the entire country, at least when it gets to the tournament. Uh, you have two guys, two seniors leading that team, along with uh, obviously some very good freshmen. It's Roy Williams. They've been to the Final Four a couple of times in the last handful of years. Uh, do they scare you as much as me? They'd be up there among the, that favorite group for me. Absolutely. I mean, they're the top-ranked number two seed in my bracket right now. You know, they're right knocking on the door. You know, they, they've only lost to Virginia in their in their past, you know, 12 games, basically. They've just been kind of running through teams. You, know, you think about how they beat Syracuse at home, on, uh, you know, a, a little more than two weeks ago. You know, they took care of Boston College pretty easily. You know, they, they escaped at Clemson in a game that Clemson absolutely positively had ahead, especially now. You know, you know, they beat Notre Dame tonight, but that was a game that really could have gotten them into the tournament for sure. And North Carolina has really been able to just kind of take care of all, you know, all types of competition. Duke and Florida State as well, they took care of pretty handily. That's a team I think that's really kind of serious. And you look at, you know, whatever bracket they're in as the two seed, that that one seed is going to be a potential team that might not make it out of that Elite Eight. Talking about the top of the bracket and the projections, let's go to the bubble. Who are some teams right now you have your eyes on on the bubble because these last two weeks, it's all about the bubble going into Selection Sunday. Wow, today was not a good night from the, from the bubble perspective. As I said on Twitter a few minutes ago, you know, I've been marking off a lot of teams in my spreadsheet in red because they lost <laughs> the green. Georgetown, I mean, they laid a complete egg at DePaul tonight down the street from me. And, you know, DePaul took care of St. John's, but St. John's had a little bit more cushion. They had a little bit more in terms of quality wins than what Georgetown had. So Georgetown's pretty much out of the picture now. Creighton picked up an overtime win over, over Providence, which got them in good position. Clemson won at Notre Dame, which they had to absolutely do. But on the flip side of the ACC, North Carolina State, who's one of those teams that, you know, is kind of like has a really high net but doesn't really have much on their profile, they lost to Georgia Tech at home, and Georgia Tech is shorthanded right now. So I think North Carolina State is in real trouble. And, of course, Florida having lost to LSU, you know, I think that's going to knock them down kind of to that 10-11 range from, from the nine range they've kind of been in. But that was an absolute missed opportunity for the Gators tonight. Chris, we've talked about the, the mid-majors, small majors before and how uh, a couple of them are getting big-time love. If you consider Houston, and I don't think Gonzaga is really a mid-major anymore, and I guess by school size and conference they are, but the rest of the country, the rest of the mid-majors, uh, not so much. I don't think there's a mid-major conference out there with multiple bids unless you consider the Mountain West, I guess, a mid-major conference. Outside of that, doesn't look good still, right? I think we could have some things happen. It's going to have to come in, in the in the guise of a bid thief, I think. You think about Wofford. Wofford's in the top 15 in the net. They're not going to get left out at this point. If they end up getting knocked out of the Southern Conference Tournament, there's you know two, three potential teams there that are in the, not, the net top 100. Furman, who beat Villanova earlier, UNC Greensboro and East Tennessee State are all you know really solid top 75-type teams. And if one of them gets in, they're going to be – kind of in that 12 seed range and Wofford will be in the seven, eight range Buffalo, same situation. If they stumble in the Mac tournament, that's going to be it. Lipscomb has an outside shot and Belmont has an outside shot, I think, but really, you know, that's pretty much going to be it. And, and uh, VCU is another one in the, uh, in kind of those questionable, you know, are they really in major league as a seven, eight kind of seed in the a 10, they're going to probably be in automatically no matter what, but if they happen to fall in the a 10 tournament, you know, somebody else like Dickner Davidson could end up, you know, taking that automatic bid instead. 
Uh, is there one team out there that, and I'm talking about mid to small major, that you have your eye on that say, hey, I really like this team. They could make a run. Is, is it John Morant's over there at, at Murray State? Uh, I don't know. Is it Utah State? Who is it? I, I, I kind of in the guise of Murray State, I would kind of look at Belmont, too, because they have Dylan Windler, who's another very good potential pro-type player. And this is a team that every year you see, you know, when they get in, they're going to get in as a 12 seed or an 11 seed usually. And like, this is the year Belmont is going to get through. No, this is the year I think we've we cried wolf enough over this year after year, <laughs> but I think this seriously is the year where they're going to be in as an 11 or a 12. And that's going to be the most popular upset pick there. There probably has been in many, many seasons. Well, there you go. It's Chris Daugherty in blogandthebracket.com, one of my daily stops and should be yours as well. SB Nation, he's on Twitter, at Chris Daugherty. Chris, always appreciate the conversation. I'm sure we'll have it again before the madness begins. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Another win today for LSU, 79-78 to on the road. Quad one win certainly will help them out in the selection committee's eyes. How much will it help them out? We'll wait and see. Your call's coming back next, 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Also, Alvin Gentry, folk hero? What? Yeah, that's what Andrew Doak says, and you know what? I agree with him. We'll talk about that coming up here on the last lap. NCAA basketball tournament on the mind of everybody down here, as it should be. This is my jam. I've been telling you about this for years, and uh, everybody down here just forgets about the NCAA tournament. Because LSU and, and Tulane and Southeastern and nobody's really ever involved except we did have uh, what Grambling a few years I think uh, Southern was there of course UNO a couple of years ago so no we do get excited about it, a little tongue in cheek but this is my time of year I'm just glad that most everybody's on board now and seeing just how much fun this ride is and it doesn't just begin when the NCAA tournament begins it begins really middle part of conference play through the conference tournaments it's fantastic and. Hopefully we get multiple representatives um, down here from Louisiana in the big dance. Can't wait. Speaking of the big dance, how did everybody's Mardi Gras go? That was great. Uh, the city was just uh, torn to pieces like it usually, usually is and in the best way. <laughs> and then it's all put back together today. You walk out on St. Charles, you walk in the quarter, or or downtown along any of the parade routes, and you would almost never know it's there unless uh, sometimes you might see a bead or two or three or a lot uh, in the neutral ground, and certainly you'll see them on the trees. But uh, just a fantastic time. I had uh, a lot of fun, uh, and Dimian was fantastic. I got to see a little bit of Muses this year, saw all the crew to Tot, um, saw Morpheus. Morpheus is underrated. It was one of my favorite parades this year. It was simply fantastic. And you know what? And this isn't a new shot of crew to Tot. I like it, but Morpheus that night, which followed, I thought was the better parade. And uh, we just kind of reset. You know, it's a big party in the middle of uh, some fabulous sports that we do here. So we, we get through that, and then we we all reset uh, a little bit. Uh, somebody on, on Twitter was asking me, and I don't know where I mentioned this. I don't, maybe I must have mentioned it on one of my last shows, but that I went to a no-meat diet as one of my uh, 2019, and not really resol. I don't know if resolution is the right word. Let me just explain this. So I, you know, I, I'm gaining a little too much weight, like we do, mid 30s now. So I didn't. My metabolism isn't what it once was, and just wasn't feeling as healthy as I was. Uh, it wasn't uh, the job and the night show. wasn't getting to the gym and working out like I used to. So I just wanted to make a little bit of a change. And I said, you know what? I, I, I like I like seafood. 
I meet too much, but I've heard so much about like plant-based diets in this stuff. And Kristen will tell you about all, not the plant-based ones, but keto and everything else. I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to go as long as I can without eating any meat. And I thought I would last like a week, maybe two. I've got a pretty good drive and will with these kind of things. I'm like, okay, I just like it way too much. I actually have gone on uh, more than two months now. I have not eaten any meat. It's uh, pretty incredible. I was having a little a ch homemade a little chickpea and rice pilaf uh, for dinner, which was fantastic. But here's the thing. A person on Twitter was asking me, how long is it going to keep up? Are you going to keep it through Lent and crawfish season? Uh, no. The answer to that will be a hard no. I will be uh, breaking this at least for every crawfish boil that I get invited to. I like those way too much. Maybe I'll go a little pescatarian. Uh, I'll stop the plant-based and we'll go pescatarian until we get through uh, crawfish season. And, you know, I guess probably shrimp season, too. So much, too much good seafood down here. But, yeah, I've been doing that for the last couple of months. It's gone well. You know, I haven't really missed it at all. Once in a while, I'll get a craving for a burger. Um, I miss that. Otherwise, yeah, I haven't really missed it. I get most everything that I want. I don't know. Have you ever done a plant-based diet? Uh, Logan, you ever done any? Uh, this is crazy. Like, we're in New Orleans, right? So nobody does these kind of weird diets. Logan is behind the glass. You ever thought about doing any any kind of, like, weird, uh, I don't know, diets or health thing uh, with your with food? Like, I, like this is weird. I, I know I'm weird. Like, you're not supposed to do this, but I am. So have you ever done anything like this? Uh, n no, not really. I've thought about it before, but I haven't really followed through on doing it. If there's one that you could do, because there's keto, which is no carbs. Eat all the fats that you want. It's basically the old Atkins diet. It's keto. There's this one, the plant-based diet. Uh, well, like, no sugar diets, I guess, are there, too. Is there one where you think you could do more than others? Mm, not really, because, like, I think, I think once you get past a certain point, it just becomes more or less reflex instead of sheer willpower to continue on with it. Ah. So. Yeah, that's, that's kind of true. I'll tell you this. The no-carb, for me, old Italian boy here, grew up on pastas and breads and everything, that would be way harder for me to do than the no-meat, I think. I just like my bread, man. I like my, I like my carbs. I like my pasta. No sugar is pretty hard, too. You know what I could never do? And you know this because you see me in there with energy drinks and coffees all the time. I could never do no caffeine. Could you ever do no caffeine? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, not when we have to work these shifts at night, right? We've got to get a little pumped up. It's late in the day. It's Logan Falgu behind the glass. Seth Dunlap with you on the last lap. Uh, we'll be back uh, here after news also. Logan will be back in because we've got sports libs coming up. Coming up after the news break. We will take a look at Alvin Gentry and some people here saying that he's become a folk hero. Yeah, I agree. He's a little bit of a folk hero. Let's talk Alvin Gentry's job status, which is our Blue Runner gumbo opinion poll. Should Alvin Gentry keep his job with the Pelicans next season? We'll talk about that next. Well, that R. Kelly thing was interesting. We're sports show. We'll talk Alvin Gentry here in just a little bit. Uh, the only thing I'll say about what happened earlier today with that, uh, Logan, did you see the image? that I, This is going to be a classic. You're going to see this 40, 50 years down the road. It was that good of R. Kelly, like, standing up and being demonstrative over uh, Gail King. It was everywhere today. It went completely viral. You see that one? Uh, no, I haven't. Just go check. You can basically Google or check it out on Twitter, Gail King or R. Kelly. You'll see this picture that I'm talking about. It is Gail King, who's been just the consummate journalist, works for Good Morning America. You heard her there in that CBS news break, sitting down, very professional, legs crossed, arms. Oh, uh, yes, uh, I see it. <laughs> at ready. Isn't that incredible? Like, isn't that an incredible picture? 
Yes. And R. Kelly was standing up. It's kind of somebody's holding him back. If you zoom in really closely, his publicist is behind him, kind of out of the shot. But you can see his left arm on Kelly's left arm, kind of holding him back. He wasn't going after Gail King or anything. He was shouting at the cameras. And just it's it's a it's a photo. And you know these when you've seen them enough. And I guess maybe if you work in this industry, you know when something is going to stick. And I'll, t- I'll tell you, Logan, and everybody listen, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. That one you're going to see forever, basically. I, that was uh, – whoever captured that shot uh, was incredible. Go it looks like it a painting. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how well it's, like, just – that's how well it's captured. It looks like somebody painted this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. That is a great analogy. Um, much better than one I was given, Logan. It's artistic is what it is. It's just an artistic moment that I don't think anybody set out for it to be that. It just happened. A lot of those moments just happen like that. Uh, Alvin Gentry, he's been a little bit of an artist. Over the weekends uh, when the, the Pelicans, I uh, uh, should say, oh, God, it feels like Monday, right? Coming off of uh, <laughs> coming off of Mardi Gras, but I guess it was Monday when the Pelicans beat the Jazz. During uh, his post-game interview, he kind of bumbled his way through a little bit then halfway through he's like okay guys i just had a couple of beers give me a break it was pretty funny it was a viral moment speaking of viral moments there but it got some people to thinking about alvin gentry and how the perception of his has changed and i said it when i was talking to carter bryant i want to give all the credit here to andrew doak because i wouldn't really be thinking about this in this way if it wasn't for andrew doak who's a sports reporter and anchor for wwl tv he did a segment i think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago about Alvin Gentry and how he's become a folk hero here. He's being embraced by the city for his handling of the Anthony Davis situation. And he's right. He's absolutely right. I've understood that Alvin Gentry has become a little more endeared to everybody over the last few weeks, but Andrew Doak put it very succinctly and very well that he's being embraced by now the majority of the fan base, certainly Pelicans ownership and management, and and I don't know if this is most important or least important. It might be most important just because we are the lens of the way that you see these guys through is he's being viewed exceptionally well in the media that, again, paints these pictures sometimes unfairly of guys. And I think for a long time it painted an unfair picture of Alvin Gentry. They're now on board. And, again, he's been the guy in this Anthony Davis saga that is drawn out for so long here. It made Anthony Davis look bad made a clutch sports look bad, made the NBA look bad, in some ways made at least facets of the Pelicans operation look bad. The Lakers, Rich Paul, and Anthony Davis himself. The one guy through all of this that's been right there in the crosshairs has been Alvin Gentry, and he's handled it immaculately. Del Demps was let go. Alvin Gentry wasn't, and I think there's a reason for that. I have talked on this show before If you look at the advanced analytics of Alvin Gentry's offense, which is what he was brought in for, is to design an offense here in New Orleans that can be high-paced, Warriors-esque, without all that talent there, and that can score in bunches and be one of the more efficient teams scoring the basketball in the NBA. You look at the advanced analytics since Alvin Gentry's been here, and he's getting his players more open looks than almost anybody in the NBA. They're just not hitting those looks. Now, I am not trying to paint an unfairly rosy picture of the Alvin Gentry era. I have issues with his tenure here. I think his personality and player management left a lot to be desired. I am wondering how much of that was Dell Demps and how much he was handcuffed by uh, the organization, but I, I don't think that he has put the assistance around him 
to be successful on the defensive end of the court at times, and I don't necessarily think he's utilized his roster in the best way. But the reason that he was brought in here for, yes, to win games, but also to design an offense, and I feel like that's happened. Also, with the way the Pelicans are playing for him, the non-Anthony Davis Pelicans are playing for him through this stretch, it makes you wonder if he will stick around through the hiring of president of basketball operations, a GM, uh, whether that's the same job or two different people that they bring in. Those guys or gals are likely going to want to bring in their own coach. Does Mickey Loomis, does Gail Benson step in here and convince them to let Alvin Gentry stay at least for this rebuild? It's it's going to be curious to watch play out. Also, the way that Alvin Gentry has his team playing and the way he's developing some of these young players, including apparently Julius Randle's just been sensational here through this stretch. So is Drew Holiday, but we expected Drew to be good. That This rebuild, yeah, you're not going to be at the level – a championship contender anytime soon when Anthony Davis goes packing, but heck, they weren't with him here. But maybe they can at least be more competitive than people actually thought through the rebuild. Remember, more than half the teams in the NBA make the playoffs. You don't have to be a championship contender to at least make the playoffs and give your fans a little something to cheer about. I think even in this Western Conference, they've got a chance, depending on who they draft, depending on what happens here with the trade and the assets that they bring in, but if you bring somebody in, and this is just speculation, there's more people now saying that possibly Jason Tatum won't be part of that Boston package, which might mean uh, could mean it won't even be Boston they pull the trigger with. But, for example, if Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and Rozier or whoever else it is from Boston comes down here and then you get draft picks on top of that with Drew Holiday and, and Julius Randle and, and Jalil Okafor, who's played pretty well, I mean, that's that's not a championship roster. That's certainly not among the top teams in the NBA, but that certainly is a playoff roster. So they might not be completely stuck in purgatory throughout this rebuild. And again, going back to Alvin Gentry, he deserves a lot of credit for this. He just, he just does. If you're going to throw all the blame his way for the failures of the last couple of years for this team to win the amount of games a lot of people thought, with Alvin Gentry as head coach, then you've also got to give him credit. When it looks like things were just going to completely melt down, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, how many head coaches, and I really mean this, how many coaches in the league that are right now operating without a general manager, although Danny Ferry is acting general manager, but he's lame duck on that job, how many coaches could actually hold this together? without it just completely falling apart, then becoming a dumpster fire, losing every game, being non-competitive in every game. So Gentry deserves credit. I just think he does. I've been critical when I think I need to be critical of him, but I also think I'm fair. And to be fair to Alvin Gentry right now means that you you just got to look at the complete track record. Folk hero. Folk hero Alvin Gentry. Give him a couple more beers after these wins. He's certainly uh, earned that there. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com tonight about Alvin Gentry. Does he deserve another year with the Pelicans? Cast your vote at WWL.com or the Radio.com app. And right now, not many people agreeing with me. 69% of you are saying no, although I wonder how many of those voters at WWL.com and the Radio.com app are actually Pelicans fans have been watching them play through this stretch. 
I don't know if he deserves another year. Just because I'm giving him credit here and saying he's a folk hero, and I think people are going to remember him fondly, even if he does depart because of the way he's handled this, I don't necessarily disagree with the, the thought process that you know the new GM, the new president of basketball operations, should get to pick their own coach to deal with this rebuild, to guide this team through the rebuild. I, I think, actually, I would fall in line with that. I can hold those same views that uh, Alvin Gentry, the man right now, but might not be the man going forward for this team. Pelicans do lose tonight. They lose at home in the Smoothie King Center post-Mardi Gras. More people than expected there, but they lose to the Utah Jazz after beating the Jazz earlier this week. LSU Tigers, they win tonight 90 uh, excuse me, 79-78 against Florida and LSU baseball win. So that's your big local sports scene tonight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's play a little sports libs. Logan Falgu, controller, comptroller of the program tonight. He'll come in, MC that bit for us here on the last lap. Well, that little sports libs to our audience here. How many of you know who John Morant is? Heard that name before? A lot of you probably know. What are you talking about? Well, you should. Don't Google him. Go Twitter him. He's a sensational small college basketball player from Murray State who is just shooting up the charts here of the NBA draft projections into the first round. Uh, some even have him as a lottery pick, I believe. Go check him out. Going to be in that National Player of the Year conversation that is going to go either to R.J. Barrett or to Zion Williamson, but John Moran will be in that conversation. Uh, before we get to Sports Lives with Logan, let's go to the phone lines. Alan and Picayune, welcome to the show. Alan, what's, what's on up? your mind tonight? What's up, Steph? What's all this, Steph? <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, I'm just doing a show. What's up with you? Just like Rick Flair says, what's causing all this? I, I don't um, know. I, I can't do the Rick Flair woo. We need Scott Smith on for that one. <laughs> um, can you, can you, can you give me a Rick Flair woo? You got the woo in you? Oh wow! Yeah, that was wow. That was fantastic, Alan. A plus stuff. <laughs> What's on your hey. mind tonight? Hey, how was your Mardi Gras? Mine was fantastic. It was um, turned up just enough where I, I felt like I, I got mine in, but also turned down enough where I didn't feel like um, I lost my mind <laughs> over the last hey, couple of weeks. Know, How about do yours? Do you know that Deuce? Do you know that Deuce don't know who Queen is? Wait, wait, what? Say this again. Wait, Deuce McAllister doesn't know who Freddie Mercury or Queen is or Freddie Mercury? What do you mean? I don't understand what you're saying here. Is this true? He don't know He don't know who Queen is. Oh, come on. The band? Or like Queen yeah. Elizabeth? So when, you, when you run across Zach, you ask Zach, does Deuce know who Queen is? Did, did they say this on one of their shows? This is, this is it's stunning yeah, yeah, breaking news. Yeah, we, need to get, yeah. we need to get Chris Miller and Dave Cohen on this. What? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, yeah. See, I talked to Deuce about a lot of stuff. I never talked to him about basket, uh, about music. I gotta, I, we're going to have to have a conversation here. Would Deuce can Freddie teach Mercury. me about football. I'll teach him about a little music here. I see Freddie Mercury and Queen uh, at St. Bernard Civic Auditorium in 1982. Oh, no. Oh, that was the height of Freddie Mercury, too. Well, a little. I guess it was the early height, but it was. That was when his, his reign kind of began here. Uh, did you see the oh, movie? Man, it, it, no, but uh, I mean, you just can't replace Freddie Mercury. I mean, that's oh, like no da- no doubt about it. Jerk, you know, you just no, can't. No. But get to my question. All right. Uh, number one thing is what, what's going to happen with this 
Central general manager, whatever he is. Pelicans? Yeah. Uh, we don't. We won't know. But from what I'm hearing and what people have told me, sources have told me, is that the Pelicans are going to look. It's not assured, but they're going to look to hire one person for both the GM and that basketball operations spot. So you'd be a little surprised if they right now went with two people um, and don't necessarily and immediately think it's going to be a guy. There are some uh, very smart and capable. Uh, women in basketball who they might interview for oh, that wow. spot, uh, Alan. Wow, wow, that that would yeah. be a twist, huh? Yeah, well, I, it's a twist, but that's kind of the way things are going. You know, like the Spurs have had this assistant coach, this female assistant coach, for a very long time, very capable. So it's just kind of the kind of the way that the hey, basketball what, world what is going. Other, and one, I, other, one other question, and I'll let you yeah. go. Um, why we why we win on a road and we can't win at home? Who? 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 Oh, Pelican. Are you talking about the Pelicans? Yes. Oh well. Well, they've been pretty good at home this year, relatively well, compared to their road record. But I understand what you're saying. You're saying they lost to the Jazz at home and won on the road. Uh, it's just weird. Weird. You know, it's, it's sports. It's basketball. But yeah, go look at their home record versus road record. They're actually still a much better home team. But Alan, appreciate the call tonight. Thanks uh, so much. Always appreciate the call and the chat. And yes, I will get on Deuce about uh, this this music issue, this queen. I, don't, I have no idea how he doesn't know who Freddie Mercury queen is. This, this doesn't seem plausible to me. I'm immediately going to have a conversation with him. Probably a little too late. He's probably asleep uh, with the fan, but then I'll hit him up tomorrow. All right, Logan Falgu behind the glass. Come on in here. Let's do a little sports libs. Man, everybody, we do this every day on the show. Think Mad Libs sports style. Logan's got some topics. There's a blank or some questions. We all play together and fill these in. You can play along on the text line at 870-870. Send your texts there. All right, uh, Logan, what you got for us tonight? Uh, well, first up, we have tonight, winning against Florida, the LSU basketball team proved blank to me. Resiliency, again. And that has been the word that I think is most apt for this team all season long. They come back from eight points down with five minutes left. They come back from two points down with six seconds left, and they win another game in overtime. They're now five and seven in overtime. So they are resilient. They have issues. Talked about them during this show. Perimeter defense, too many turnovers late in games, the inability for whatever reason to make clutch free throws. But none of that matters, really, if you're winning games. Winning cures everything. So they are resilient resilient word of the night, word of the year, word of the season for LSU basketball. All right, next one up here. The Saints look like they're going to have a blank offseason. A very forgettable offseason. And hear, hear me out on this one. There's still going to be very intriguing happenings in free agency and the draft and the, and the trade market likely with the Saints. That happens every year with just about every NFL team. doesn't mean you're supposed to tune out this offseason, but – the reality for the Saints is this. Right now they only have $12 million or so in cap space. That's not very much, not a lot to do anything splashy in free agency. They don't have a lot of tradable assets on outside of perhaps Andres Peets or somebody else along the offensive line. And in the NFL draft, they only have one pick in the first four rounds and only one pick in the top 100 picks of the NFL draft. You put all that together, and it's going to be a forgettable offseason in my mind, at least compared to recent ones for the New Orleans Saints. Next. Next one up here, we have Alvin Gentry is blank amongst Pelicans fans. 
He is cool as a cucumber under pressure. He is somehow very likable to Pelicans fans under pressure. He's cool. He's likable. He's a folk hero to Pelicans fans right now for the most part. Saw the poll before. I know. I see the text. I get the calls. I understand that a lot of people want nothing to do with Alvin Gentry through this mess. They want nothing to do with Alvin Gentry as continuing with the head coach. But I would say at least a plurality right now. Not a majority of LSU fans agree with me. He's a folk hero. And cool as a cucumber through this, even though he's been hung out to dry um, by multiple people and organizations here. I'm Look, I'd love to have a few beers with Alvin Gentry off the record and just chat with him about all this mess. Imagine those conversations. Next. Next one up here, we have LSU baseball needs to blank. Win on the road. I should say, I guess, learn how to win away from Alex Box. One of the... I don't know if this is a fair criticism of, of the scheduling tactics for LSU in the pulmonary era because they're such an established program. They're so dominant in the SEC and nationally. And even though they only have that one title under pulmonary, they've been to Omaha five times, that affords you the ability to schedule all of these non-conference and early season games at home. There are some critics out there, and I don't put me in these credits. I'm just repeating what I've seen written and said and spoken about and certainly on Twitter and social media from LSU fans, that he doesn't schedule enough quality opponents away from the box early in the season, and it hurts them at some points in the SEC season or getting to postseason play. We saw what happened last week, last weekend, when LSU got swept by Texas in their first jaunt away from the box against a nationally ranked team. So LSU must learn with this club, a lot of young kids on this team, and they are kids, 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, it's it's a tough task to learn how to win in your first time when you're playing a ranked team like Texas. So they've got to learn how to win on the road. Next. And the last one up here. Mardi Gras this year was blank. Perfect. Mardi Gras for me, and I'm just speaking about me and myself. Uh, it was it was perfect. Like It was the perfect mix of turn up and turn down. Perfect mix of work and the ability a couple of nights to step away and check out the city, and the weekend was great. Uh, really, this was one of the more memorable Mardi Gras uh, that I'd had. Nothing's ever perfect in life, but I'll tell you, this was perfect because it was pretty darn close. And that is Sports Libs. Thank you, Logan. Let me ask you, I gotta, I, I'm just going to turn this into like a one question, one little fill-in-the-blank at night uh, for Logan. Your least favorite wrestler of all time is blank Ooh, that one's a hard one mm. are you a villain or hero guy uh, when it comes to wrestling uh you know there's a lot of interesting villains in wrestling <laughs> i'm the a same with of... game of thrones i'm team cersei man everybody gives me the business for being team cersei but i am I'm, I, I like i like the villains uh i guess i guess the one i really mm, it's 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 too close to call. It really is. Oh, I is. like that. Oh, okay. That's no. That's a, that's a fair fill in the blank. Too close to call. This is Logan on his least favorite wrestler of all time. We'll take a break. Back with our moment of zen. Stick around for this. You'll hear uh, Tremont Waters lay in at the end of regulation and then the game-winning call for LSU when we wrap up the last lap on WWL. Final look at our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Should Alvin Gentry get another year with the Pelicans? 69% of you disagreeing with me saying no, 31% 
are saying yes. Thanks for everybody for voting on that poll. Thanks to our guests tonight, Tyler Nunez of Tiger Egg, Chris Daubertine of SB Nation's blog in the bracket, and, of course, Carter the Power, Carter Bryant. I always appreciate him coming on in on the show. If you missed any of the show tonight, well, in any really any time, you can check the podcast at www.com, radio.com app, or Apple Podcasts. Simple as that. Uploaded every night. It's our man Logan behind the glass gets those uploaded pretty close to after the show. We're back tomorrow at 8 o'clock. We'll talk more about uh, LSU basketball's win and their place. And we'll take a look at all the, the bracketology sites and their ranking and where they're moving uh, most likely up and way up. We'll also talk a little LSU spring football and LSU baseball gets a win. Are they solving some of their issues? Thanks to Logan Falgu behind the glass. Tom Manessis for booking the show, our producer today, and Diamond, Diane Newman, our executive producer and program director. I am Seth Dunlap on Twitter, at Seth Dunlap. Give me a follow there. We'll keep the conversation going. And as always, I leave you with our moment as in as we hand it off to Beyond Reality Radio. Here's Tremont Waters and the end of the LSU-Florida game tonight. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.